Welcome back, friends. Lost Scarf here, and it's time for the newest episode of Kirby's Dreamcast, where we cover everything Kirby, from the anime to the games to the manga and everything else. Hey everyone, this is Scar from a different point in time, just talking about Kirby the Forgotten Land. The Direct came out, like, after the script was very much already recorded and everything, so I gotta talk about it really quick here since it came out between this and the last episode. Kirby the Forgotten Land. Oh my god, so we got 3D Kirby, that's cool. People really want 3D Kirby, I'm like, that'll be cool, it'll be interesting to see that, and here it is, we got it. 3D for the 30th anniversary, that's something. I'm hoping we still get a collection, but it's cool to see 3D Kirby. And that looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see what new enemies we get, new friends, new bosses. It'll be just interesting to see Kirby and how creative it'll be in a 3D environment. But we also saw that there's going to be some old enemies as well. Waddle Dees are there. Also, people have already figured out most of the language that is on the walls in that game already. People have just been pouring over all the letters here and there, and they're already figuring out the language. So that's cool. So there will be an LP of that for sure. And then years from now, when we do the gaming episodes, because we're doing the order, we'll come back to this, and we'll have to just look at all the translated signs and everything eventually. That'll be really cool. And now back to uh, the Superstar episode. Today is part two of our Kirby Superstar series, going over all the details of the game that we can find. Right now, we're in the middle of talking about the games themselves and telling the gameplay as a story. So you might be asking, why do that? Well, I could drone on and on about every enemy and power in each level and the little interesting references, but... That is really boring, and you can easily read that off of Wikipedia. All those facts will be in here still, but they're going to be weaved into a story going over the gameplay. Using our specific run of the game, by the way, and all that gameplay will be on the side channel at Scarf Plays on YouTube. But besides, haven't you ever played the games and wondered to yourself, what would Kirby and Waddle Dee think at this moment? Well, this is what we're doing. So in a way, it's just us just telling the story that we all play, but with just more character to it, with all the facts we've been at the same time. So that should be fun. Make sure to look for that playlist if you want to see the gameplay itself. An interesting bonus, if you watch the YouTube version, we got images from the Shogakukan official guidebook for Kirby Superstar. These are pre-renders that would be converted into SNES sprites for use in the game. There were nine guidebooks made by different companies for Kirby Superstar, and as far as we know, most have been lost to time. For now, we'll show you the cover, which is hilarious. Look at Kirby Suplex poor Waddle D. I love that the most, it's just funny to me. By the way, every image of Kirby in suplex form is him suplexing Waddle D. <laughs> Here's Kirby on his star. There's a table of contents, which is the easiest to identify since it's the end credits to Milky Way Wishes. And lastly, here's Spring Breeze's pre-render, which is green greens for sure. The top says Harukaze Totomoni, which means together with the Spring Breeze. The paragraphs in the guide are simple descriptions of the games, like for Spring Breeze, the paragraph describes Kirby needs to defeat King Dedede and brings up It's an Easy Mode and talks about the helper ability. Today, we'll be going over the games Dinoblade, Megaton Punch, and Gourmet Race. In Part 3, we'll go over the Great Cave Offensive on its own. It's really big. Part 4, we'll be going over Revenge of Meta Knight and Samurai Kirby. And in the fifth part, we'll go over Milky Way Wishes, the Arena, the Credits, and any last facts we might have missed, and things about glitches and things like that. Also, we're going to rank things at the end as well. Also, if we find anything about the sound test, I'll put them there. As far as I know, there's nothing, though. The sound test is just the sound test. And so that should be a lot of fun. So yes. Five-part series for Kirby Superstar, and there's going to be a sixth bonus video, which will be on the Kirby OST, the original soundtrack. And that's not essential watching and listening, that's just going to be me ranking them, so if you're interested in that, that'll be there as well, eventually. And one more thing is, I did not go in-depth on the powers in the first episode, besides mic ability. We will go in-depth on each power the first time Kirby gets them. Same with allies for the first time we get them as well. Fortunately, I did go over them in Spring Breeze when it came to Chili, Rocky, Sir Kibble, and Knuckle Joe so far. Like, I want to go into depth on all these things, 
and be pretty descriptive because if you're listening to it on podcast, then you don't see them, of course. While YouTube side, you can see things easily. But I want to make it doable for either side. So if you missed part one, you should of course go back and listen to it or watch it. And there we went over the history of Howl between Kirby's Dream Land 2 and Superstar, Sakurai working on Superstar, and other interesting facts. One other thing I want to mention because I talked about it last time was Masahiro Sakurai's birthday was on the 3rd of August 1970. And I want to mention that because I talked about his age in the first part and... At this point, the majority of his life has been spent in game development. He has been a developer his entire adult life. After he graduated high school, he went straight into the game development, and he's been with Kirby from the start there, and then into Smash, which are also Kirby games, so there you go. Now it's time to talk about Dynablade. Japanese title, Shiroki Tsubasa Dynabureiru, which translates to White Wing Dynablade. The White Wings are the steel tip blades for her wings. The image on the corkboard is Kirby sleeping on a nest next to an egg, and above him it says Dynablade with the silhouette of Dynablade behind it. When you select it, you see it is level 3, and then the title Dynablade and the description text says, Dynablade is destroying all the crops. She must be stopped. Master the different abilities and defeat her. Then the pre-render from the guidebook is of Malo Castle, which you can see where it is in the actual game. How the stages work is different from Spring Breeze, which was a linear run. Here you can choose where you need to go as you unlock new areas across the map while heading to Dynablade's nest, so you can always go back to another level if you want. Kind of feels like Super Mario 3 layout in a way, and that must have been an inspiration. Then when you get into the game, you get the opening video, Kirby sleeping with some lovelies and butterflies nearby. Then out of nowhere, a slash happens and the flowers get scared while a hill in the background is cut in half. An apple falls from a tree and bunks Kirby awake, and a single feather falls down as we see Dynablade flying in the background. This is the beginning of a trope with Kirby, as long as you don't wake Kirby up, bad things don't happen to you. The title screen is purple with Dynablade's silhouette, and the title Dynablade over it. The song playing is called Dynablade's theme, and it is surprisingly chipper for a song about Dynablade, and this song will play again at the end epilogue song later. Before we get started, let's talk about the beginner's room, I forgot to mention it last time, and it's Kirby on a stage where he does his learning of how to play the game. There's a big theater curtain, Kirby standing on a white and yellow striped stage, and the background is puzzle pieces in the colors of pink, light blue, and white. In the foreground are what I assume are other Kirbys cheering him on. As far as we know, Kirby is the only one of his kind, aside from copies he makes of himself when he dances, and Kibi, the second player from Kirby's Dream Course, and eventually the color splits, and Shadow Dark Kirby, and the Kirby printer copies. There's a lot of Kirbys, there's just not canon if there's just more than him and Kibi, actually. One more thing to mention, I'm going to try to explain why Kirby is fighting everyone while investigating Dynablade and why he's fighting them in the other games as well. The thing about Kirby is, he rampages through Dreamland as he investigates what's the problem attacking Dreamland, and he destroys a lot of people and property along the way. Some theorize Kirby is evil, but I say no, you're silly. Kirby is a mini Godzilla. When a threat comes, Godzilla stomps through Japan and destroys the world-ending threat and goes home. Godzilla can't help that he causes collateral damage. It had to happen to save the world. There's just buildings in the way. Kirby's the same way. An unfortunate number of innocent Waddle Dees just get in Kirby's way. But let's say Kirby, in his infinite power, is able to restore everyone he tramples on the way. This would explain why certain individuals, like many bosses and some bosses, explode and take on Kirby again and again and again. Aside from Krakow, because interesting fact about Krakow, as long as clouds exist, Krakow will be able to pull itself together. So I say Kirby is an evil, especially considering later games that established Kirby as pure good with zero malice. Kirby's just really bad at cleanly saving Popstar and the universe. And in case of like Kirby's adventure, Kirby just couldn't trust King Dedede after what he did last time. So let's start the story proper. Kirby was enjoying a nap in Dreamland when he heard a loud slash across the sky as an apple fell on his head to wake him up. Kirby wondered what happened as he sees a hill slide down from being cut in half. 
The lovely flowers nearby tell Kirby they've been hearing about a giant bird on County Mountain destroying crops all over the place. Kirby figures he should do something about that since Dinerblaze Rampage is making everyone hungry, and no one likes being hungry. So with a song in his heart and a smile on his face, Kirby journeys to a new land he's never been to, heading towards Candy Mountain. Kirby first gets a good lay of the land before heading out. He sees he'll have to go through a place with a star lake, then a castle, then a cave, and finally climb a mountain to reach Dinoblade. So Kirby gets to it and heads to the Peanut Plains. Kirby heads down from the high place he was at to survey the area and runs into a Sir Kibble who was on vacation. Sir Kibble, upset at King Dedede's recent loss, goes on the attack, but is swallowed by Kirby. Kirby then tells Sir Kibble that a different bird from King Dedede is wrecking the food supply here. Miffed that someone would try to steal King Dedede's chick, he decides to join Kirby's cause. Kirby then sees a Waddle Dee parasoling around, and Kirby thinks that looks like fun and sucks up Waddle Dee and their parasol to cap the ability. This greatly offends a nearby Waddle Dee who goes on the attack. Kirby, not realizing he was being rude, fights back and knocks out the poor Waddle Dee. Kirby then plays with his parasol and comes up with new moves for it. Kirby's used a parasol in his first big adventure and when he was working with his animal friends to save Dreamland a while back. Kirby sees lots of King Dedede's army vacationing in Peanut Plains and decides to use them to help him practice his parasol moves. They wouldn't mind, I'm sure. Kirby, by the way, is very cute as he uses his parasol. It's just all the attacks look very cute with him. On a side, by the way, in this area we see Waddle Dees and Waddle Dees jump into water for a swim and they drown. They straight up drown. I don't understand why they keep jumping into water. Are the Waddle Dees trying to develop swimming evolution? So the parasol Kirby carries around is a red and white parasol, and it's one of the few powers Kirby can use underwater as well. It works as a shield in multiple instances, and can even do grabs besides drills and slap attacks. The power portrait is a cute image of Kirby in ball form, sitting in the parasol like a boat. It's very cute. So Kirby continues the rampage around and develops his parasol even further, with Sir Kibble showing off his moves too, not to be shown up by Kirby. But eventually Sir Kibble sees he is no match for Kirby and decides he needs to go practice and wishes Kirby good luck. Kirby, thinking he's done a good job learning the way of the parasol, asks a Waddle Dee to join him and shows them his way of combat. Then Kirby decides he wants to practice beam and swallows the Waddle Dee's Waddle Dee friend. Waddle Dee is at first apprehensive, but Kirby assures them he'll return Waddle Dee safely later. With the beam ability, Kirby is able to access some hidden areas because he can shoot through walls, and he blasts his way across the plains. So beam Kirby is a yellow Kirby and a half red and half orange jester hat with stars on them. He also holds a magic crystal wand, and with this ability Kirby can fire varying types of beams, charge a big beam attack, and even throw enemies with beams. It's very weird he can do that. The power portrait is Kirby holding up the wand while stars are behind him, and it's very cute. Together with Parasol Waddle Dee, they discover many secrets. Kirby then sees Bomber, and he remembers the insane power he felt from copying them before. So Kirby swallows it up, and is instantly overwhelmed by the power of Crash. By the way, the power portrait of Crash is Kirby looking mad, with jagged energy forming around him, and it's really cool. Kirby then unleashes Crash and destroys everything. It's a big explosion of blue. Huge. Thankfully, Waddle Dee's parasol keeps him alive, because it's a very strong parasol. Kirby decides then that maybe he's not ready for such power, and he goes back to the beam ability. Eventually, a pair run into a pair of lovelies, and the flyers back home are very friendly, but these are not. These lovelies try to gobble up Kirby and Waddle Dee, but the boys are too fast and react to stop them. By the way, these flowers only show up in Superstar and Star Stacker, so we'll see them one more time in Star Stacker, which is the next game. After lots of cave splunking, Kirby finds another bomber and sees if he can hold it longer this time. And Kirby holds it pretty well until he runs into Chef Kawasaki. This is the first time Kirby meets Chef Kawasaki. And Kirby thinks Chef Kawasaki is great because cooks make food, and making food for people is great. Anyone who makes food must be great. But then the giant chicken nugget attacks Kirby, and the shock makes Kirby lose control of Crash. 
and the explosion knocks out the chef, and Kirby decides to suck him up and copy their ability because Kirby likes food and wants to learn how to cook. Little Cook Kirby then sees more of King Dedede's soldiers and thinks, hey, I'll cook for them, and he claps a spatula and pan together to get their attention. Everyone but Parasol Waddle Dee gets sucked into the pot, and Kirby thinks, okay, this is probably normal, and then Kirby cooks. He stirs the pot for a little bit with a fire underneath it. Then lots and lots of food, matching number of things that went in there, come out of the pot. And then Kirby and Waddle Dee enjoy the food. Kirby doesn't think about where everyone else went. Doesn't think about it at all. <laughs> so Kirby's really cute in the little cook Kirby form. Like he gets a little hat and he's just doing the stirring. He's just very cute there. Looks really chefy. The power portrait is Kirby sitting in a pot with a chef hat on and he says heart. Kirby then finds that they've finished crossing the peanut plains and it's just a long stretch of road ahead of them. So Kirby gets a bright idea and summons copies of himself and he builds a cannon to launch him and Waddle Dee along the way. On the first try, they don't launch very far, so the pair dance at the effort and then walk the rest of the way towards Malo Castle. Malo Castle is a big pink and white castle. The outside of the castle has large tree-like topiaries and a large fence and the inside has golden floors with white walls. The view is pretty nice and Kirby makes his way inside. But first Kirby waves bye to his new parasol Waddle Dee friend. Inside, Kirby runs into the same Blade Knight that helped him in Spring Breeze. Kirby tells him about what happened with him and King Dedede, how he beat him and saved everyone's food, and so the knight decides to join Kirby in his newest quest, since he kind of ran away when Kirby got the mic ability and Blade Knight doesn't want to be a coward. Together, they get ambushed by the castle guards. Turns out Kirby can't just walk into a castle uninvited, and so the pair defend themselves. Kirby hasn't seen these guys since his first big adventure and his battle with Meta Knight. Kirby wonders how these guys are doing, and the three knights he fights are Axe, Triton, and Mace, who prove very tough because they're able to resist Kirby's vacuum ability at first. Eventually, he can suck them in. Just takes a minute. They somehow escape the abyss that is Kirby's stomach later on, and they meet up with their master Meta Knight for future plans. Maybe with Javelin Knight's help, since that's the only one we didn't see in this fight. I'll go more in depth about the Meta Knights later when we're in Meta Knight's game, by the way. Blade Knight feels pretty happy with himself being able to help fend off such great knights, and with the help of Blade Knight, Kirby finds a hidden pool with a Biospark, a ninja that was hiding there. This is Kirby's first time seeing this ninja, and it's just very wow to him. He's like, what is that? The ninja did not like being discovered, though, and it attacks. And the way it attacks is, it hugs Kirby, which confuses Kirby at first, but then it does a big body slam on Kirby. Like, it grabs Kirby, jumps into the air, and then slams him into the ground. Kirby is shocked, and then he reacts by sucking up Biospark and copies them to become Ninja Kirby. The ninja hat looks kind of like a soldier helmet with stars on it, and a purple tuft of hair on the top. Ninja ability allows Kirby to hang on walls and throw kunai, besides slicing enemies with a sword. He can also do a big dunking grab, like what happened to him, and he also can use a substitution jutsu when attacked. The power portrait is Kirby holding a shining kunai in the dark. Kirby goes into action and attacks a Cappy with a multi-blade attack to see what he can do. And wow, Kirby thought this is really cool. Then Kirby started saying nin nin as he ran around. But the fun was short-lived. Kirby sensed something special nearby and that it would need mirror abilities to reach. Thankfully, Kirby found a Samira nearby and copied them. Reaching the area that required Mirror, Kirby and Blade Knight find a giant button. Kirby, of course, presses it. Kirby could tell it opened up something, but what was it and where? Kirby would have to find out eventually. Kirby then continues to rampage through the castle with Blade Knight, and they find themselves in a moving corridor. Thankfully, it wasn't difficult until Kirby saw a naughty. The sleeping pink creature made Kirby curious, so he sucked them up. Unfortunately, their sleepiness overpowered Kirby and made him sleep. The power portrait for this power of sleeping Kirby is Kirby sleeping on a pillow of a warp star, and it's pretty cute. Thankfully, Blade Knight was able to slap Kirby awake in time, and they barely got away on a warp star before being crushed by the corridor. Outside the castle, Blade Knight thanks Kirby for the opportunity to prove his valor against the Meta Knights, and he leaves to go hone his skills some more. 
So Kirby, seeing there was a long road ahead, enlisted the help of a wild wheelie nearby. Wheelie is a Kirby-sized wheel with eyes on each side, and they're very unsettling to look at, by the way. Just bleh. So Kirby sucks up the wheelie, and in his tongue tummy asks them, Hey, wanna run wild together? And the wheelie liked this idea and joined Kirby, turning into a wheelie with a seat for Kirby to ride. And so they became Wheelie Rider Kirby and Wheelie. Kirby got a biker helmet and goggles and the ability to shoot stars as he rode Wheelie. It's a very interesting power there. This is considered the strongest power in the game because how strong you can just keep shooting stars with it. The portrait is Kirby riding Wheelie while looking really cool. The ride eventually comes to a sudden stop when Bonkers shows up. The ride eventually comes to a sudden stop when Bonkers shows up. Bonkers is a giant gorilla man in green armor and he carries a big hammer. Kirby hadn't seen Bonkers since his first big adventure and it looked like Bonkers wanted revenge. Unfortunately for Bonkers, they ran him over and Kirby took his hammer to become Hammer Kirby. Now Kirby's got a hammer of his own to hit people with. This hammer can be used to open certain doors by hitting their switch, and Kirby does lots of spin attacks with the hammer too. He can even sacrifice the hammer for a major attack. The power portrait is Kirby wielding a big hammer and it looks heavy. Together with Wheelie, Kirby runs around the castle some more and ultimately destroys a wing of the castle. Oops! Kirby and Wheelie quickly get into a cannon and blast away. This time Kirby got a little bit further though, so that's good for him. Once Kirby got far enough, he saw there was a place in the hills he unlocked and there was someone heading towards him. Kirby headed towards whoever it was and it turns out it was Iron Mom. They're named Iron Mom in Japan, but in the English it's Mam. She was clearly a play on the name Iron Man. She looks a lot like one of Kirby's kind. She has vertical eyes and dark pink cheek patches and a pink complexion. But instead of a vacuum ability, she fought from an iron suit of armor with uh, spikes and big iron ball gloves. She also has a pink bow on her head because girls gotta keep their cute game up even in a suit of armor. She could also potentially be a bouncy tie, one of the pink ball people for that bounce on springs, or maybe it's Bouncy Ty's mother? She challenges Kirby to a duel, and Kirby can't back down. After some struggle, Kirby throws his hammer to break her armor apart. Kirby then sucks her in to copy her ability, and Kirby gets the fighter ability. That's pretty good, but not what Kirby was hoping for, like maybe a suit of armor is what he wanted. Kirby then heads to the secret area to find the trial room. It is full of birds and copy essences. And a broom had her cleaning up the place. Copy essences allow Kirby to change into said power if he walks into them. This room has beam, bomb, cutter, fighter, fire, hammer, mirror, ninja, plasma, and sword abilities. Kirby's curious how they got here, but he doesn't have time to ponder too long. Kirby tries asking the broom hatter, but accidentally knocks them out. Oops. Kirby decides to get back his hammer and wheelie needs rest after all that fighting, so Kirby bids them good rest and convinces a touring Poppy Bros Jr. to join his cons. The Poppy Bros Jr., always full of mischief, decides to tag along with his bombs for a while. Poppy Bros are jester people who enjoy causing mischief. They have hands and feet and a blue cap. They carry bombs and boomerangs usually, but as an ally just bombs, they also ride on apples and grizzos. Kirby and Poppy then head into Coco Cave, which is said to lead to Candy Mountain. In the mysterious cave, Kirby encounters something he's never seen before. A Plasma Wisp! It looks like a blue flame with eyes and white gloved hands. Before Kirby can wave hi, the Wisp fires an attack at Kirby. Kirby tries to dodge and reason with the Wisp, but it dissipates quickly after hitting Kirby. Kirby continues through the cave and deals with more unreasonable Wisps along with bombers and naughties. Eventually, Kirby makes his way into a big, windy cave, and it blows him far forward. So far that he loses track of Poppy Bros Jr. Oh no! Kirby, feeling lonely, looks at his hammer and juggles it in the air. Then out of nowhere, Bonkers grabs it and says that since Kirby uses hammer well, Bonkers will aid him for a while. Happily, Kirby cheers and copies a nearby Rocky's stone ability. He gets a cool helmet to show he's using stone. Kirby wonders how he can improve on this ability, and Kirby finds improvement through the various things he can become as he utilizes stone. Kirby finds he's able to become many things, like a pink rock, a rock with a star on it, a statue of himself, a bodybuilder, a very, very chiseled bodybuilder, by the way, 
an 8-ton weight, Samus Aran, which is super rare, and Mario, an extremely rare transformation. So quick aside, the Mario one is so rare I've never seen it in my life. Never seen it, only seen screenshots of it. I've only seen Samus once in my life. In fact, I did rock transformation over a thousand times and didn't get any of them. Didn't get either of them. It was very frustrating. Took a long time because I wanted to show it on YouTube, but instead we'll have to use screenshots that are from the wiki instead of our own footage. So, I'm sad about that. The power portrait is of a statue Kirby with a bird sitting on him, and it's, it's, uh, it's cute. Conveniently, the pair are in a cave with lots of ramps, and Kirby slides down them in rock form. Interesting thing about the bodybuilder form when he goes on the slides is that it poses as he's sliding down. It's a very fun little Easter egg there. Kirby also finds that if he transforms fast enough, he can slide into enemies as the rock, too. Kirby then encounters Gim, a weird-looking robot with a yo-yo. Kirby's never seen this thing before, either. And neither has Bonkers, who freaks out and crushes the Gim before running away, leaving Kirby alone. So Kirby talks to the Rocky inside him and asks if they'd like to help him since Dying Blade is making people hungry. Rocky agrees and joins Kirby's cause. Together, they navigate a lava cave and then find themselves in an ice cave. This is a really weird cave. Kirby starts to feel cold and decides to copy a nearby chili to adjust to the temperature. And Ice Kirby is, of course, pretty cool. He has an ice crown and is now blue. With ice powers, Kirby can freeze enemies and throw them at others. The power portrait is him looking at the sky while he's on an ice pillar, and it's just cute. Kirby then skates to the cave and finds some interesting sleds on tracks. They really launch Kirby fast. Kirby uses every one of them because of how fun they are, and unfortunately Kirby doesn't notice and rides one into a wall. Ouch. But it also breaks down the wall, so that's useful. And then they crash into another wall, and another. But eventually they dodge some shotzos, and they're able to get to a star and warp out of there. They end up in a deeper cave where they encounter Bugsy the Beetle. Kirby hasn't seen this guy since his first big adventure, and that time when they had the Avalanche Tournament. Bugsy as well, a giant purple beetle who likes to hold things in their pincer mandibles. Bugsy wants revenge for his losses and rushes to grab Kirby and Rocky in his pincers. But fortunately, the cold is a hard counter to Bugs in nature, and Bugsy is defeated. Kirby then sucks them up to work on the backdrop ability Kirby copied back on his first adventure from Bugsy. But now Kirby has learned to evolve into Suplex. Which gives him a blue bandana and his power portrait is him jumping off the top rope to do a Hurricane Rona. Excited, Kirby uses it on anything he can find. His first victim being a broomhatter trying to clean a cave. Poor broomhatter, they've been around since Kirby's first arrival to Dreamland, and all they want to do is clean things and Kirby always makes a mess. They're seen everywhere in their witch hats and holding a broom for cleaning, sometimes flying too. This is Kirby's first real innocent victim, really, and Kirby crushes them with a German suplex. Oh, the humanity, he broke the broomhatter in half. Then Kirby grabs a Waddle Dee and power bombs them forward. That Waddle Dee had a family. But Suplex Kirby isn't done yet. He grabs another Waddle Dee and spikes them into the ground. Can no one stop Kirby? Rocky just watches in horror. Stoic horror. Thankfully, there's no one else to grab, so Kirby hops in a cannon with Rocky to blast through the rest of the Coco Cave. Rocky makes really good progress with his cannon shot. Kirby and Rocky arrive at the base of Candy Mountain, and Kirby immediately bum-rushes a wandering Burn and Leah with Lariat. The Pink Puff Rampage continues. This is Burn and Leo's first appearance to Kirby, and it was a very short-lived one. Burn and Leo is a pink fellow with rock and fire hair and a headband. Rocky, unable to take any more carnage, yells at Kirby to stop and mends Burning Leo. Rocky then says he needs a drink, and Burn and Leo asks to replace Rocky as Kirby's helper as thanks. Kirby thanks Leo for joining the cause, and thanks Rocky for yelling at him. Kirby realizes the power of wanting to take people to Suplex City might be too great for him to handle. By the way, as an ally, Burn and Leo changes to a blue form? And as they climb the mountain, Burn and Leo burns himself out very quickly by attacking everything in sight so they don't suffer the wrath of Suplex Kirby. Since they burn twice as bright, they also burned half as long as they wanted to, and they need to rest. Kirby, realizing he's driving everyone away, drops the bandana of the Suplex machine and climbs the mountain until he encounters Birdon, a blue flying parrot bird with flyer goggles. 
At first, it thinks Kirby's an enemy and charges him, but eventually Kirby gets them in his stomach and they have a friendly chat. Then Birdon joins Kirby's cause because Birdon is a big fan of Dinoblade and he wants to meet him. Birdon also changes their feathers to pink to match their new friend. There's also Scarfies here. Kirby's always running into them everywhere since he first arrived in Dreamland. Scarfies a flying orange creature that is cute like Kirby until Kirby tries to suck them up. Then they become scary sharp teeth creatures that try to maul Kirby to death. They also explode. Kirby also encounters a frog named Slippy. This orange frog has been getting in Kirby's way since his big adventure. It's unknown if Slippy likes or dislikes Kirby. All Kirby knows is they like to rush him and it always hurts. So Kirby shoos him away with a vacuum and spit. Kirby then decides he wants to try flying differently and sucks in a different bird on to become a member of the village people. Kirby's hat is an elaborate headdress with different kinds of feathers, and it allows him to fly around and attack like Birdon does. With sharp feathers and swooping attacks, the pair are formidable. Wing's power portrait is Kirby in full headdress in the sky, and it's pretty cool looking. Kirby and Birdon easily climb up the mountain and let feathers fly. But then Kirby finds a curious sight. A long fuse leading to a cannon. Kirby thinks for 20 minutes. Then he realizes, oh yeah, fire burns fuses to make cannons go boom. So Kirby sucks up a wandering burning Leo to become Fire Kirby. So like Ice Kirby, his body changes color, this time to a fire red, and he has a jeweled headband with flames generating from his head. Kirby breathes fire and bursts around in flames. You can also aim the fire, by the way. You can also aim it back at yourself to burn yourself, which is something not a lot of people know. The power portrait is him standing in a bunch of flames, and it's pretty cool. Kirby lights the fuse and sits in the cannon, and sits. And then it fires! It leads to lots of food, and Kirby is very happy about that, and then it leads to a higher part of the mountain to a very fiery part of it. The heat proves difficult and too much for Birdon, forcing Kirby to go it alone for a while, because that was a Kentucky Fried Bird on it for a little bit. But luckily for Kirby, he finds Poppy Bros Jr. The winds of Coco Cave blew him all the way up this far up the mountain. So it was lucky for them to reunite, because unlucky for Poppy Bros Jr., Kirby was also found a walkie. <laughs> now Kirby's Mike Kirby again. Kirby can't wait to share his voice with everyone. Kirby finds the perfect audience. The pair run into Mr. Frosty! Kirby's sure he would enjoy the song in Kirby's heart, so Kirby first does his sports chant, and Mr. Frosty takes it poorly. Now, I didn't describe the portraits, so I'll describe them here. The first one is Kirby at a baseball game with a megaphone, that's why a sports chant. Kirby then puts on his headphones and really belts it out, knocking out Mr. Frosty out cold. Kirby thinks he fainted from the excitement, of course. So the second portrait is Kirby with headphones and a mic. Then Bonkers shows up, so Kirby shares with him his strongest song and belts out the chesto. The third portrait is Kirby the Mohawk really singing it out. Bonkers enjoys it so much that he joins Kirby's cause and gives Kirby an extra hammer, while Poppy Bros Jr. gets knocked out by all the singing. Unfortunately, two Poppy Bros Seniors show up looking for Poppy Bros Jr. They attack Kirby on the spot, but Kirby and Bonkers give them a sound pounding and then cannon their way to the mountain summit. Unfortunately, Bonkers got blasted the other way somehow, and Kirby runs back down to make the climb again with Bonkers. Kirby can't leave a friend behind. Yeah, so, um, I forgot to get the other secret room in this place, so... After lots of climbing up the mountain, Kirby and Bonkers find a room in the fire area. The room has a big button that Kirby just has to press, and Bonkers unfortunately can't make any more of the climb, just too tired. Luckily, Tack the Cat Burglar Thief is nearby and asks to join Kirby. They'd like to get their hands on one of Dinoblade's eggs. Kirby thinks he must really like birds, so Kirby lets him join him, and Kirby also learns the copy ability from him. Ah yes, the copy ability. After lots and lots of struggle and making random friends, Kirby eventually makes it back to the summit with the help of Chili. Kirby doesn't go to the hidden area after that. He made the climb twice and he just wanted to go push the big button anyway. So let's talk about a couple things here since we're about to get the Dinoblade. First, Tack is a cat burglar. He's literally a cat ninja thief and even has a big sack for all his stealings, which is this classic figure from Japan. Tack is an annoying enemy because he can steal Kirby's powers and steal Kirby's allies. 
Now, copy ability is hilariously odd as a power. Kirby copies a power through an X-ray visor, and he uses it to analyze and then copy an enemy. The X-ray does damage to enemies he can't copy, by the way, and also damages bosses. It's just an interesting power, but also silly. The portrait is dozens of Kirby's, and it's pretty funny looking. And if you get tax side, it's just a bunch of tax. The other thing to mention is the second trial room, which was unlocked with the second button. Just like the first one, it has random enemies and the rest of the 19 copy essences. The last one had 10, this one has the other 9, which are copy, ice, jet, parasol, stone, suplex, wheel, and wing, and yo-yo. And you can argue there's a 10th one because there's also a crash there if you suck in the bomber that's walking around. So back to the mountain. Chili and Kirby climb to the entrance to Dinoblade's nest, but Chili starts to melt, so he has to travel back home before it's too late. Kirby thanks when, thankfully, is met with Blade Knight. Blade Knight has been honing his skills and wants to help Kirby take on his tough prey. Kirby decides to summon from memory the power of fire to cook Dinoblade, and together they fly up to face their large foe. At the top of the mountain, they get a real good look at Dinoblade, and she is huge. She flies in fast and charges the pair instantly. Dinoblade is a big bird. They wear a vest with a gemstone as its clasp. They have big rainbow feathers along their wings and along their head, with long, sharp metal blades at the ends of their wings. Lastly, Dinoblade has a big blonde mohawk from the front to the back of her head. She also has razor-sharp talons, like she's a big, dangerous-looking creature. Dinoblade does prove to be a tough fight for the pair. She can take hits and eventually swoops in and gets her talons on Blade Knight, nearly crushing all the life out of him. Luckily, Kirby burns Dinoblade enough to free him. Dinoblade pecks at them and shoots Windblast at them as well. Eventually, Blade Knight and Kirby are overwhelmed, and just when it looks like it's the end for them, Burn and Leo returns to prove they aren't so weak and burns Dinoblade from behind. The burn makes Dinoblade jump, and she crashes into the mountain and injures herself. In the calm after the battle, Kirby hears chirping and he investigates. Oh, it's three Dinochicks, and they're loud! Kirby realizes Dinoblade must have been stealing food to feed her babies. So Kirby carries their nest back down to Green Greens and feeds them using Wispy Woods' unlimited apples. Wispy doesn't enjoy it, but he's not going to fight Kirby over this. After some time passes, the Dinochicks grow up, and Kirby teaches them how to fly. Now grown and able to fly, the three join their healed mother, and Kirby tearfully waves goodbye as Dinoblade and her brood fly off into the sunset. The end. Beating the game unlocks Revenge of Knight. Also, after playing Dinoblade, if you're on the file screen, you'll see Kirby on a feather, and it'll show Star 2 is complete. So personal thoughts before I move on to the next game. Dinoblade is a pretty fun game. As a kid, I didn't understand what was going on at all. Eventually, they beat up a giant bird, and Kirby helps their chicks, and they leave. The Dinoblade fight is pretty cool, and the game introduces concepts you'll be doing in later games, like the cannons and copy essences. The music is fun and cheery as well. So let's cover Megaton Punch now. Or Kachiwari Megaton Punchy in Japan. It translates to Winning Split Megaton Punch. One of two sub-games, the Megaton Punch game is a small rectangle on the corkboard. It's purple-pink with a yellow explosion under the text Megaton Punch. You can play against a computer or against a friend. The friend will randomly get Bandana Waddle D. That's right, this is the birth of Bandana D. Knuckle Joe or Iron Mom. We played a couple matches for fun before doing the single player for the game. In single player, you can choose difficulties 1, 2, and 3, 3 being the hardest. The title screen shows the name, and the background is Salmon Pink with a glove punching a star. The only other text is, pay attention to the power gauge and watch the pendulum. So the way this works is it's just three different games of timing. You time a power bar, a pendulum swing, and lastly, two crosshairs lining up. If you hit the button as each timing flashes white, you did the maximum possible. Let's tell this short story now. After stopping Dinoblade, there was a time of peace. So to shake things up, the people of Dreamland organized a Megaton Punch competition. And Kirby's invited. So Kirby summons his strength from his fighter copy ability and joins in the fun. Lots of people want to display their strength, but in the end, there were four finalists. Kirby, Bandana Waddle D, Knuckle Joe, and Iron Mom. The battles go in the tournament style where four fights third, and then winner fights second, and then that winner fights first. 
Kirby had been trying his best to hone his strength as Fighter Kirby and was getting stronger, but at first was only strong enough to land fourth in the competition. Now that it is head-to-head -head matches, Kirby knew he needed to tap into his best understanding of strength in fighter form. So Kirby and Bandana Waddle Dee entered the stage. Kirby blew kisses at the crowd while Bandana Dee winked at everyone while posing. Kirby looked at his surroundings. Before him and Bandana Dee were two large bricks for each of them to break. Behind them would be two poles holding up a banner saying Megaton Punch Championship. On the stands, Kirby saw Sparky, Laserball, Chili, Mr. Frosty, Sir Kibble, Bronto Bird, Waddle Doo, Scarfy, Waddle Dee, Poppy Rose Jr., Naughty, Broomhatter, Cappy, Squishy, Starman, Giant Wheelie, Bounder, Kabu, and Poppy Rose Sr. And then, to Kirby's confusion, he swears he saw Mario, Luigi, Toad, Birdo, Peach, and Bowser over there, but he also saw them over here. Maybe the real ones were here, and their body doubles were over there to protect them. Aside, they mirrored the crowd, and you can tell by Luigi's L being backwards on the Luigi on the right. Also, yes, this is the same crowd used for the fight with King Didi in Spring Breeze. Bowser and Peach are both cut off again. Bandana Waddle Dee shook Kirby's hand and said, Golly, it's sure nice to finally meet you, Kirby. Let's have a good match. Kirby poyos happily, and they jumped to their bricks. Bandana Waddle Dee focused hard. He flexed his muscles and timed his breathing, and lined up his fist, and BAM! He destroyed the bricks and cracked the stage, and even cracked the planet a little. Kirby, seeing that, knew he needed to focus hard. Bandana Waddle Dee tightened his bandana as he watched Kirby. So Kirby tensed his muscles, timed his breathing, and lined up his fist and jumped in the air and slammed his fist into the bricks below. Kirby kind of overdid it. The planet got a crack down half of its length. Bandana Waddle Dee was impressed but fell over from exhaustion. All told, Bandana Dee used 167 megatons of force, showing he was a very strong soldier in King Dedede's army. But Kirby did 184 megatons of force. Kirby moved on to the next round. Next up was Kirby against Knuckle Joe, who was dressed in his training clothes. No words were exchanged. Knuckle Joe was focused, so they both got to it. Turns out Knuckle Joe was hyper-focused and instantly punched the ground. It sent a big-sized crack through the planet. So Kirby once again focused as he just did against Bandana D and punched the ground with greater purpose. Kirby timed his breathing a little better and opened the crack he made against Bandana D. Kirby won with 187 megatons of force against Knuckle Joe's 175 megatons of force. Popstar, though, was a resilient planet and it healed itself already as Kirby was preparing for the final round against the biggest heavy hitter. Iron Mom! Iron Mom jumped onto the stage and the world shook under her weight. She flexed in her armor at the crowd while Kirby gave them all smooches. She would have revenge on Kirby by proving herself stronger. Kirby wanted to say hi, but she would have none of it. She was ready to destroy. She wore all black and polished her armor to a bright shine. She was ready. Iron Mom focused every ounce of her body. Her armor shook and clinked from the pressure of her muscles pulsing. She breathed heavy to focus her breathing. She lined her fist and slammed down. Kirby following suit with his fists. The twin cracks surged across Popstar, making everyone feel its force for miles. Everyone could hear and feel Popstar groan as it tore apart. But fortunately, the combined cracks did not completely rip Popstar apart. But it was very close. They then had the results measured. Iron Mom's punch was 186 megatons of force, but Kirby's 196 megatons. Kirby happily won while Iron Mom cried. Kirby tries to shake her hand, but Iron Mom leaves without a word. Iron Mom must train more. She must train a lot more. She will prove her strength against Kirby another day. It took some time and a lot of people falling into the cracks, but eventually Popstar healed and came back together, and everyone who fell into the cracks climbed back out. Kirby fondly looks at his Megaton Punch trophy next to his many other trophies from time to time. The end. So that's it for Megaton Punch. The highest you can possibly punch is 201 MT, which cracks the planet completely in half. Also, if you lose, Kirby just falls over exhausted and defeated like Bandana D does. Personal thoughts before we move on. The sub-game is short and fun. The song is pretty good, too. Introduction of Bandana D, of course, makes it extra special. Now it's time for the third main game, Gourmet Race. Japanese title, 
Gekitotsu Gorume Resu, or Crash Gourmet Race. The way this game works is there are three courses to run on. There's time trials and then there's the Grand Prix. In the time trials, it's you just racing against your best time, and your old time is going to be the form of a star, and we'll show exactly the movements and the speed of it as you're going, so you can see if you're being faster than yourself or not. Interesting thing is, Kirby runs faster in this mode than normal, but his flying and sliding is slower. That's probably explained by the story of the game, because Kirby flies all the way up a mountain to get to this place. In Grand Prix, it's one where you do all three courses, and it's a point-based system. Every food you grab is one point, and maximum tomatoes are worth three points. Getting to the finish line is worth 30 points. You don't have to get first in all three courses to win. A run ends once Kirby or King Dedede reaches the end of the track, by the way. It's possible to gather a lot of food before King Dedede reaches the end, and still win by the end if you're fast enough. After all, you're both going for the same food. If you can get at all before him and get 31 food while he gets zero and he hits the finish line, you're still up by one. Certainly not an easy feat, of course, but that's pretty cool if you can pull that off. I've almost pulled it off. I've gotten pretty close. The pre-render from the guidebook for this one is Kirby running through one of the courses, and the pre-render can be seen in the background of all three courses. Because I was like, where, where is this? I don't recognize this. It's the background. It's the background of all three. <laughs> Did not realize. So on the corkboard, you'll see Gourmet Race, and on it is the image of a determined Kirby running with King Dedede in front of him. Above them, it says Gourmet Race, and below them, it says Kirby versus KDDD. When you select it, it says level question mark, Gourmet Race, Race through Gourmet World to the finish, gobbling up all the tasty treats you can find. Once in the game, you get the title screen and it says Gourmet Race with lots of illustrations of food in the background. Wait long enough and you get an opening video. In it, you see Kirby flying up and up and up a mountain thinking of food. But once he gets there, he's tired from the flight and sees he's not the first one there. King Diddy is actually already there with food in his hand and King Diddy smiles. Then back to the title screen. And also, yes, the fact there's three courses to the race are a play on words of, of a sort. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, obviously. Also, the tutorial is pretty cute. It is Kirby and King Diddy running on a treadmill track while the game concepts are explained and food comes at them. So let's tell the story now. The Gourmet Race. Some time has passed since the Megaton Punch competition. Kirby hears rumors of a place called Gourmet World where there's lots of food to enjoy. Kirby gets a location and it's high in the mountains. No taking his time climbing a mountain, no. Kirby's flying up there. After lots and lots and lots of tiring flying, Kirby is up there and breathes heavy for a while. But he doesn't get to rest for long. King Dedede is already there, and he's enjoying the food. King Dedede thinks they could make a game out of the food and challenges Kirby to a gourmet race. A race to see who's the fastest and who can eat the most food on the way. Kirby's arms are tired from all the flying, but his legs are fresh, so Kirby accepts the challenge. Their first race is on the Pumpkin Grand. A Waddle Dee pulls out a party popper, and boom, the race is on, and Kirby breaks fast at the start. King Dedede eventually catches up to Kirby, but the Pink Pudge quickly gathers a dozen things to eat by the time he gets his first one. Kirby just grabs and munches away as he runs and slides through star blocks. Well, look at the race ends in less than 26 seconds with Kirby leading King Dedede with 32 food points to 10. Not even counting the win! King Dedede underestimated how hungry Kirby was, but now since he didn't get as much food, King Dedede's starting to get a little hungry too. But Kirby's hunger is still deep and Kirby's ready for the second course, Corn Hall! And again, after Waddle Dee pops their party popper, Kirby lunches from the starting line. The first course was pretty flat line, but this time there's twists and turns and quite a few vertical climbs. On for a place called Corn Hall, a hall is usually a straight line like the first course. Kirby again gets 10 things of food before King Dedede gets even one. The king at times gets ahead of Kirby, but Kirby keeps finding more and more food first. After lots of jumping and flying, Kirby hits the goal in under 42 seconds, shocking the king once again. Kirby leads King Dedede in food points from 45 to 16. So now it's time for the final course, Onion Garden. This course is even bigger and has copy essences laying around for Kirby to utilize in this race. 
So again, a Waddle Dee pops a party popper, and Kirby dinner puns from the start. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think of anything. As Kirby runs, he sees uh, the color distances are Jet, Parasol, Wing, Ninja, and Wheel abilities. Jet is good for dashes and climbing, Parasol and Wing can die, while Wheel is good at straightaways. But I have no idea how Ninja is useful here. Kirby jumps up and grabs Wheel and keeps running. Since Kirby isn't as effective at diving as King Diddy is, Kirby only gets six food points before King Diddy gets any. Kirby climbs and dives and sees a straight run ahead, but starts too early and bonks his head against the wall. Oops. Kirby then does it at the right time and gets far ahead of King Diddy, but eventually goes too fast and hits another wall. A little dizzy, but Kirby continues forward. After getting a concussion from hitting half a dozen more walls, Kirby's wobbly but still ahead of King Diddy. Kirby does his best as he's racing and pacing and plotting the course. After one final desperate climb, Kirby beats King Diddy by a single step. Kirby leads in food 47 to 13, and finishes the race in under 70 seconds. Then everyone waits for their final results. In total, Kirby grabbed 124 to King Diddy's 39 food points. But because of the three wins, Kirby wins 214 to 39. Kirby barely won each race. Had the Pink Pudge made a few mistakes in King Diddy taking the lead in all three, I mean, Kirby would have lost by only five food points. Kirby utterly dominated in both dining and dashing today. The crowd goes wild. There's confetti everywhere and Kirby, still hungry, devours more food. King Diddy, on the other hand, is sad and dejected by another defeat. After enough gorging, Kirby happily rolls home and sleeps while King Diddy cries in regret. The end. So when you finish, if you win, you get your racing time, victory music, and a big happy Kirby as confetti falls. If you lose, you get the losing song, which is an interesting, like, flute song, and King Diddy teasingly pulling on Kirby's cheek as he gloats about his victory. Personal thoughts, Gourmet Race is a fun distraction of a game. It has one of my favorite songs of all time, that being the Gourmet Race song itself. I always enjoy making King Diddy cry with this one, by the way, because, yeah. It's also fun seeing how perfect a run you can do in this mode. After playing Gourmet Race, if you go back to the file screen, you can see Kirby running with lots of food around him and an apple in his mouth, and the third star is highlighted with a three. So that's it for part two of Kirby Superstar series. The Great Kiv Offensive up next is going to be a very, very big script, so it's going to be the entire next episode. As of this recording, the script is over 30,000 words long, and I'm in the middle of Revenge of Meta Knights. The Great Kev Offensive has 11,000 words alone. It's a very wordy thing because I had to go over 60 different treasures and their references and try to make witty jokes. That was a mistake, but it was fun. So that's it for now. If you're enjoying this series, please share us with your friends. The more people that enjoy this podcast, the happier we'll all be. We can be found on YouTube, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many other podcast platforms. I had fun, I hope you had fun too, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time. Mm-hmm.